let's talk about how your story can make you feel like an expert with Jess Glazer on episode 44 of No Boring Stories. Let's get into it. Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and one of my favorite events to watch at the Olympics is gymnastics. All those flippy flips, it's crazy. Today on the show, we've got an incredible business coach, Jess Glazer. Since leaving her job in 2017, she's hired an incredible team of heart-centered leaders, served hundreds of clients, helped create over $10 million in revenue for those clients, and is committed now to helping 100 entrepreneurs create seven-figure impact-driven businesses. Her mission is to cause a ripple effect and inspire change for generations to come, making a massive impact and leaving a lasting legacy beyond her singular actions. You will hear all of that in her story as we go through this. You will be inspired today to discover whether you are living by your passion or your purpose. You will see how your story fits into making you an expert so you can teach what you know and help others along the way. Jess is an incredible human, a great friend, and I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation and learn from her today. Look, if something stands out to you in this episode, then please share it, rate it, review it. I am so grateful that you're here to engage with all these not boring stories, and today is a good one. Enjoy this conversation with Jess Glazer. Let's get into it. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to have you in this space. How are you on this day? I'm so good, Alex. Thank you so much. And thank you for your kind words. It means the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, we met a couple of years ago, I guess, in a mastermind uh, with Chris and Lori Harder. And you, so here's, let's just get into it. You were one of the people. And I've told my story before that I, I went into that space and I felt like a child. I had no business idea. I had I, I was just I spent my morning on a scooter going around Hollywood and showed up in a sweaty T-shirt with my backpack. <laughs> and <laughs> to, just to to set the table, you were one of the people that I had in my mind that like I think you were wearing, you know, you were wearing a hat and like just like to the nines. And I come from Canada and like, we don't wear hats up here. We're in LA. I I make a big deal of hats for some reason. You were one of the people that I looked at and was like, my goodness, like out of my level, you know, like this, where do I, I don't belong here. Just the way that you commanded yourself and commanded conversations within the first few minutes that I was watching and kind of getting a survey of the room. Do you remember that first meetup moment And, and How did you carry yourself in that space? Because I want to match these stories together and see, you know, what they mean. I do. And isn't it funny, like the stories that we create? And I'm so grateful. I had just said to you before we hit record, I I asked if this was going to be recorded on video because I'm in like a sweatshirt with my hair and a messy ponytail and no makeup on. So I love the duality of that. And, And it's so funny, these stories we create, because I felt exactly how you felt. And it was 
do I belong here? Do I have anything to offer? Will I fit in? Mm -hmm. Uh, That mastermind in particular was not my first mastermind. It was probably like my fourth. And so just wondering, is this Mm -hmm. the one? You know, is this the one that I'm going to have value to add? Is this the one where I'm Mm going to fit in? Is this the one where I'm going to feel seen? And so I felt exactly the same way you did. I just was wearing a hat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the difference right there. And it's just the level of confidence that that brings, right? That's why I'm wearing a hat today. That's, that's, that's really what it is. I just needed to be more confident showing up for you. Um, so how does that, uh, how has that changed now as you show up into any given room, are there rooms that you feel now that you show up into and, uh, you still feel that way or 100%. Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't know that there will ever be a room that I show up in that I don't feel that way. Mm. And if there is a time that I walk into a room and I don't feel questioning myself, then I probably would ask myself, is this the right room? Because for me, the intention of getting in those rooms is to stretch myself and to get to my edge. And so there's kind of that, that quote of, you know, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room while your ego loves being the smartest person in the room. And it feels really good. You know, is that the right room to stretch you? And I think there's a time and a place for both types of rooms, Mm -hmm. but when I'm looking for a mastermind, I'm looking to get really stretched. Yeah. Yeah, because you do so much work of leading those kind of rooms yourself. And in those mm-hmm. spaces, tell me how you feel when you're showing up and, and leading a room of people. Yeah, I love this question. Just five years ago would probably say I feel like a leader. Mm-hmm. And I feel not that I'm the smartest person, but that I have so much value and my ego loves it and I can help so many people. And the version of me now says I still feel the same way where... I have as much to add as everyone else in in the room. I have as much to learn as everybody else in the room. Um, There are occasions where certain experiences, maybe I have more lived experience, more times that I've tried something. But at the end of the day, when I'm in a room, whether I'm facilitating it or I'm in it as a consumer, every single person in there has something to add. Everybody's an expert at something. And if you're open and willing to receive, if you're open and willing to learn, then you'll get out of it exactly what you need and you'll get out of it what you ask for. So even when I'm quote unquote leading a container, I still ask myself, what's the intention for me on each of my calls and what can I receive from this as well as what can I give? It's so interesting to me as you say that because I just got this really clear picture of there's this, the story that we think that we want to tell is I went from loser to leader, you know? And so Mm -hmm. five years ago, Jess would be like, look how I've grown look at this. I now feel like a leader in every room that I go into and every room that I lead. And, but since then you've had this like extension of growth. Your story has continued obviously. And it's gone from, no, that wasn't the height. Actually, I feel like right now I'm in a more pure and authentic place. I feel better than ever. I feel like a stronger leader than ever. And in doing so, I'm actually like lifting others up instead of being the one at the front, like I'm, I'm trying to put others at the front, give them the microphone, let them step up. And that's actually like a further growth. That's further in the story than where we think maybe we are striving to be. Yeah. Well, it's interesting if I can share. So you're a storyteller. I was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I love metaphors, I love analogies, and I just love visualization. So if I can share this visual real quick of how I see leadership now, the way that I look at leadership is sort of, we're all crossing this river and the river is your entire life. And the only time that you get to the other edge, the bed of the river is actually when you're, when you're no longer here. And so we're all rushing to get to the edge when in reality, 
the, you know, the journey, the adventures are happening within the river. But what we do is we step on different rocks as we go across the river. Mm. And sometimes those rocks are slippery and covered with green algae. And sometimes you step on it and it's a little bit shaky and your foot slips off. And sometimes we actually find like a tree branch that's fallen over and you can actually walk 10 feet across the river. So when I look at leadership, I look at it in this way of, I'm not ahead of you as a leader, mm. I'm in the river with you. And my only job is to say, hey, look out, this rock is really slippery or yo, come over here to your right because this rock is really big and there's like eight of us that can fit here yeah. and we can just chill for a minute. And I still have to look back over my right shoulder and my left shoulder to see what's going on behind me because as we all know, sometimes you actually have to go backwards to go forwards. Yeah. And so I'm not ahead of anybody. I'm just, I'm in the river. And so when I'm or I'm facilitating create or creating a container, I'm just in the river with you and we're all going across together shouting out who's got a flashlight, who's got a sandwich, right? <laughs> I'm interested in the sandwich. That yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so beautiful. I get this immediate image. I mean, it actually took me back. You took me back right then to playing in a river with my brother. And like we would catch little like crayfish and stuff. And we go down and we put on our rubber boots or sometimes we just rip those off because we got they got soaked anyways. And we're both in there getting muddy and wet and cold and falling in and pushing yeah. each other in and playing. And mm -hmm. the goal was to simply be and to be there together. That's what right. mattered. Yeah. So, and if one of you, so you just pick the other person up, right? It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Well, yeah, unless he's your little brother and then you, you kick water on him more, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but that's, that's stories for another day. Um, okay. So with where you're at right now, sure. You're going through the river and you've had this, you've, you've grown from, from leader to where you are. And like, I, I'm just so excited to see what this growth process has been and, and why, that has been the path. Ultimately, what is the river that you're leading people through right now? Like, where are we headed towards? And so for you right now, what you've got all these different programs and all these different ways that you're helping people. Um, tell me a little bit. I mean, what is it that you do? And what's the deep impact that you're really interested in making these days? <laughs> The most potent question at the perfect time. Yes. This is a question I've been asking myself for a while. So what I do is I, I mentor people to build businesses mm -hmm. and I've been doing that for a couple of years. We have a bunch of different ways that people can work with myself and our team that we have, and we help you build your business from the ground up. And we think of it like a puzzle with lots of puzzle pieces. So everything from accounting to legal, to the mindset work, to the strategy of the business. We're focused mostly on online businesses and we really specialize in course creation. Yeah. So that's what we do in terms of the impact that we make. Everything that we do comes back to impact. So when I left my job as a teacher, I committed to always being involved in education. And so now what I'm doing is I'm really educating people online. And in addition to the education that I provide online, we also work with schools across the, across the globe actually yeah. in Africa, which is really, really cool. But what our job is, what my vision is, what my impact is, is helping you take what's in your brain, your lived experience, the things that you just know that you don't even realize, you know, uh -huh. extract them and turn them to education for other people so that you can teach what you are good at. You can teach what you know to make a bigger impact. So you've got all these different ways that you're making impact 
locally, across the country, across the globe. It's incredible. There's all these ways that you are helping others to find the thing that maybe they don't see is inside them and then speak it out and educate others. Here's, here's where we zone in a little bit more on that. If you help me do that or help, you know, someone else do that, then what? So what? So if I, if I learn something new about myself and then I, I go start teaching others that, so what, what, what does that do for me? What's the impact yeah. there? You know, yeah. that's the action, but what does that make me feel? Yeah. Well, I think it's different for everybody. I think most people, what we lean into is purpose and there's this misconception. This is my belief and the listener could borrow it, but there's a misconception that we build our businesses based on passion. Mm -hmm. When in reality, I believe that we should be building our business on purpose or fulfillment because passion, the definition of passion is um, ever changing emotion. It's, it's ch constantly changing yeah. and it's uncontrollable emotion for me. I'm like, I don't want to build on passion, which is ever changing, but rather purpose. So when you ask, you know, what does the impact make on you? It will most likely lean into your purpose and make you feel fulfilled and make you feel purposeful in your life. But then it also creates the ripple effect. So if you're teaching people how to navigate grief, which is maybe something that you've gone through, mm -hmm. now you're helping them in their grief journey. If you're teaching people how to lose because you're a trainer, been through an experience where you've lost a ton of weight and changed your life. Well, now they're bringing those habits into their home and the ripple effect happens where maybe now they're even changing the way that they cook for their family. And then their children are picking up on these habits and it's changing their life. So generationally things are getting passed down. Yes. So this is what's so interesting to me because that goes, yeah. Okay. So you got like, like I can help you pull something out of you and teach it to others. Fabulous. But this is what, this is what I know you to be. This is, um, what I see you are, this is how I see you show up. And what I've heard from you in conversations as well is this, it's beyond the individual, it's beyond the one person, it's beyond the you, it's because if you do this, it, it unlocks something within you. You just said, right? It's, it's now, it's not now not just about like, what am I passionate about? Hmm, what am I going to do this week? Like, what feels good? What are other people doing? Where's success? And I'm going to lean into that. You're like, no, no, no. When you do this thing, and you see how it impacts somebody, now you're living for purpose and that purpose is this ongoing path so so for you this idea of purpose of feeling purposeful take me back to the beginning where does that begin for you like where do you see is this who you were as a kid you know were you this person who was like i've got these big dreams i know where i'm gonna go i see the path laid in front of me this is my purpose did you have adults speaking that over you? Did you see somebody who really lived by that? What's the first kind of memory or locked in moment that, that comes to mind when you think of, of purpose in your life? No one has asked me this question in this frame before. So it's really interesting. I've been asked about entrepreneurship mm -hmm. or specifically kind of the skills that I have or that I use. In terms of purpose, when I think back, I've always been a leader huh. and I've always loved teaching people. So when a lot of young girls were playing with dolls, I was doing school, like I'd play school. Right. And I was always the captain of every single team. And I was on, you know, every board of whatever in school growing up. And I've just always loved teaching people yeah. and, and guiding people and helping them see whether it's their greatness or what's possible for them. And when I think back to kind of purpose, creating what's coming up is like creating something out of nothing. And so I can think back to a memory of, 
gosh, when I was five, my mom is an artist. And so growing up, we were always doing arts and crafts. And when I was five, she had me taking pom-poms, they're kind of like cotton balls, and gluing them onto spray can tops and making like little pom-pom people. And we used to take film containers back in the day, regular like 35 millimeter film. And I would- My dad was a photographer, right? I had those all over the house. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I would punch holes in the top and put a pipe cleaner. And then I would draw on the actual film canister. And what it was, was a coin purse that would hang from chains so that I could put quarters if I needed to make a phone call. And it got into, it got to a point where I then started selling this type of stuff and I would paint hair clips with nail polish and sell them to my gymnastics teammates. And so those memories come up with like entrepreneurship and creating money. But what's coming up for me is that concept of repurposing and creating something out of nothing, Mm -hmm. which is something we did growing up. We repurposed clothing. My mom would cut clothing. We would buy clothing. She would cut it and re-sew it. And we were always repurposing things to kind of reimagine what they could look like. And so this, this repurposing and creation of nothing or something out of nothing is what I I think when you're asking me about purpose, it's showing people that they can do that. What did your dad do? He was an optometrist. Okay. So you've got this right and left brain in the house, right? Like (laughs) total science and art. (laughs) And you grow up now as this conglomeration of both of that and show up as you are. And I, I love that, right? You go back to that. You're okay. So now it's this. Okay, I was always this person. I was. Cr- I love that what you said. Repurposing. We started mm-hmm. with purpose, and you're like, yeah, but it's almost like start with a purpose, but then, like the film canister obviously has this purpose. I'm gonna carry film, and you're like, yeah, but what if it did something else? And then what if I what if I took that other thing and sold that for my own thing? And well, if that's not gonna work, then I'm gonna repurpose who I like my ideas and do something else. So there's this constant, yeah, creating something from nothing, as you say, of course, the entrepreneurship um, mindset starting off. And I've heard you talk about that before on other podcasts is like, that's where that began. But yeah, this idea of recreation or creating something from nothing continues on. And then what becomes like, what was this thing that you were driving towards? And you're like, look, this is what I can do. And yeah, leadership, I can step into that. Uh, what was this desire that you had back then? Like, what was the drive? What was the the vision, the image that this is mm. what I want in life? I never had a vision of entrepreneurship. I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was. Uh-huh. I didn't have a vision of teaching people. I never set out for this particular goal that I've now gotten to. What I've done was I've just focused on, if we're going back to the river, whatever rock is in front of me. Right. And so if we go back, I actually went to college for my doctorate of physical therapy. So I stayed in that left science brain. Right. Um, and then I ended up going to fashion school for design. And then I was a phys ed teacher for eight years and a personal trainer for 18 years and then was an entrepreneur. So I, I've never had this long-term vision of this is what I'm going to go do and this is my purpose, but rather what lights me up in the moment, this next rock mm-hmm. is this exciting and in, in my purpose and, and how can I create and recreate this current moment to feel aligned. And I kind of have just been following that over and over and it's unfolded as it has. So at this point, the point that you're at now and the impact that you're making now of thinking this, I'm helping other people now step into their purpose, right? Like, like if that's the impact now, then what, 
what was the turning point? Like, what was the hinge moment? What was it? Was there a moment? Was it, again, it's a series of moments, obviously the next rock in front of you, but what do you look at as like, oh yeah, but this really, like I was going on a path and then this happened. And I mean, here I am, whether that was four months ago or four years ago, uh, yeah. what, what comes to mind? I have a couple different ones that really stick out, mm -hmm. but the first one is, uh, it was October of 2016. I was working full-time as an elementary school teacher, you know, part-time nights and weekends as a personal trainer. I had been eight years working as a teacher and I was driving to work, coffee in hand, listening to a podcast as always. And I was listening to this woman who was a teacher who also made jewelry and sold it on Etsy, which really resonated because I was making jewelry and clothing and selling it on Etsy as well. Yeah. And she was a teacher by day and she wanted to leave her job to do the Etsy thing full time, but she was scared because of you know summers and benefits and weekends and all these things. So the, the man interviewing her said, if you left your job and you tried to do Etsy full time for one year and it didn't work out, what would be the worst case scenario? So she said, I don't know, I'd probably just go back to teaching. I might have to go to a different district, but I've been a teacher for 10 years. And his answer changed my life. It was one of those moments. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? <laughs> and I just, I pulled the car over. Yeah. I was, it was October, 2016. I was bawling, crying. I texted my husband. I said, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I, I know nothing. I just, I can't do this. And let me be clear teaching in my elementary school in the beautiful town that I was in in New Jersey was not my worst case scenario, but it wasn't my best. Right. And when I kind of reframed like, wait a minute, actually I could go do a million other things if I couldn't get my job back, then it wasn't as scary. So that winter break, I came back from school and I resigned. I walked into my principal's office with no plan, resigned. He very much disagreed with me and tried to encourage me to stay. Yeah. And that was my last day of teaching. What's that conversation like? That's the interest, right? Where you're like, look, I've got this thing. I'm marching in. Maybe I'm scared. Maybe I'm nervous. I don't know. But you're you show up. Let's talk about the rooms that you enter into feeling confident and you show up into the, this conversation with your principal. And you said he very much tried to get me to stop. What was his argument? He was very much like a father figure my, about my dad's age and mm -hmm. had, he had kids my age and he was just like, you're crazy. Like, did Mike get transferred at work? That was his initial thought. Right. Like, do you have to move? Is this what's happening? And um, he actually offered to put me on sabbatical for a year to kind of give it a shot. He thought maybe I was having like a mental breakdown. Yeah. And I just had to, you know, with all due respect, like you're not going to understand it. But what happened for me, and again, I love this visual. I worked in an elementary school, which if you haven't been in one recently, they're very small. Uh -huh. So the toilets are very low to the ground and the desks are very small. And what I felt was happening for me was every year I was getting older and I was sort of shrinking and the room was getting smaller and kind of mm. caving in on me. And my fifth graders would graduate and they would go off to grow up and grow on. And I just felt like I was getting smaller and more and more comfortable and more and more complacent. And that wasn't a life that I necessarily desired. There's nothing wrong with it. But for me, it was like, I can't breathe. I quit because I couldn't breathe, not because I was brave. Two very different things. Come on. I, I, I quit was because I couldn't breathe, not because yeah. I was brave. This, I just got this image of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that's my favorite. Come on. I knew it. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So she takes, she eats the one thing and feels very small yep. and becomes very small. And it's, I, the movie feels like somebody, they wrote it while they were on LSD, but like, <laughs> but we find what we can in it. And there's a moment, there's a feeling of feeling very small, which we've talked about, 
already in this conversation, entering a room and feeling very small. And you were like, yeah, but now I'm in a small place and I feel very big. Like, it's almost like, like you were too big for where it was. And so that, that breathing, that, that space was constricting you. As you said, I couldn't breathe. Um, does that, yeah. Does that align? Do you find yeah. yourself in that? In 100%. That story? 100%. And, and, you know, I said what I said about not being brave because so often people will say to me like, oh, you were, but you're so brave. You had the courage. And I, I didn't, I didn't quit to grow my wings on the way down. I didn't leap and, and have this faith and trust. Mm -hmm. I quit because I was so uncomfortable and unhappy in my life. And it was, what happened for me was I felt like I was living in somebody else's story. Yeah. And I didn't write that story. Hey, you want something for free that's going to help you with your speaking? Here it is. When I started out speaking, I had no confidence. Eyes locked on my notes or off on a wild tangent, fidgeting and pacing all around the stage. I wasn't getting asked to speak where I wanted to, and I felt like I was wasting my time and my audience's time. So you're booked for a workshop or a keynote and the date is fast approaching, or you're hoping to land some speaking gigs as extra income, and you don't know where to begin. If you don't get extra help, you'll be embarrassed, you'll waste your time, and you'll lose relational connections. And I'm sure that you can be a more confident speaker and transform your audience. That's why I created the Make Speaking Magical video course. During my 20 years of speaking to crowds, I've learned five main tricks that help me walk on stage with confidence and make sure my message sticks. I've been repeatedly asked back by event organizers, spoken at workshops about these tricks, and coached individuals on putting these techniques into their talks to give them confidence before a nerve-wracking presentation. So whether you're speaking on a big stage or on camera or on a podcast or around the dinner table, the Make Speaking Magical video course will give you everything you need to speak with confidence and transform your audience. And right now, I'm giving away two modules of the seven module course for free so that you can learn to connect with your audience and then really put all this into motion to make your speaking magical. Go ahead, get two modules of the course for free right now just by going to my website alexstreet.ca you can find it there or find the link on my bio in my instagram hurry though because this is only going to be available for a limited time so what okay where does that come from then because you've got what did you say you went to school for you did all the things you could do all mm -hmm. the things president student council all those things and then you went to school <laughs> for physio and then you went into um, fashion and then fitness. And then, so yeah. what are those leaps? What was like, take, you know, on a surface level, what were the decisions to go from this to this, to this, to that? Like, what were any of those yeah. decision times like? I decided to go to school for, uh, you say physio in Canada, right? Physical therapy. Right. Um, when I was seven, that was a decision I made when I was seven. And I continued on that path until I did it. And I was in my first year of grad school getting my doctorate and I was just wildly unhappy mm. and I left and I left at, at, the, at the time I left for a leave of absence, but I never went back. So actually I quit. And that story lived with me for a really long time that I was a quitter and that I was a failure. And in my house, aside from my mom, I come from a family of doctors, lawyers, and accountants. So I very much felt like a failure. Right. And what was interesting was the way that I got into fashion was exactly how I teach business. So I had grown up, remember making, you know, repurposing clothing and making yeah. clothing and accessories with my mom. And so now I'm in my early twenties, just dropped out of my grad school program. And I was working at the gym 
and I was working as a trainer, kind of figuring out what I was going to do next. My parents had lovingly encouraged me to get a teaching degree to quote, fall back on when I was an undergrad. So I had that teaching degree. I just didn't want to use it. And so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do working at the gym and going out and bartending nights and weekends to make ends meet. And when I would bartend, I would wear my own jewelry. I'd wear my own accessories, my own clothing. And what happened very naturally is people would ask, you know, where's that from? Oh my gosh, you made it. You should sell it. No, 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 no. I don't sell it. I just make it for myself. But the gym that I worked at said, why don't you set up a little booth and for the holidays, see if you can sell some of your accessories. I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll do it. But I didn't have stock. I didn't have inventory. I had the five purses that I made and that I would wear. So I brought my five purses. I brought my mom and we sat at this table in the lobby of the gym that I worked at for like 10 hours on one day. I said, if I sell one, then I'll go make it. We ended up selling $5,000 worth of orders that day. So you just had these ones on display and people are saying, I want one of those and I'll, you're like, I'll come back. Exactly. So I had prototypes. And so I went back and we went into the basement and we started just pumping. We started making these bags and $5,000 worth of orders on like a hundred dollar purse. Right. So do the math. We had a lot of orders. And so at that moment I said, I'm going to go to fashion school. So that is why I actually went to fashion school. Now, the funny thing is all these years later, this is exactly how I teach business. Yeah. You put out your prototype And if people buy the prototype, if they buy the offer, if they buy into the idea of what you have, then you use the funding that they give you to go actually create it and to keep you motivated and to keep you on time with your deadlines, Mm. which is so funny because I didn't, I didn't recognize that until probably last year. So mm, it's so good because there's this real mix that I'm hearing here, Jess, between passion and purpose there's this like there's this real careful balance that you've been walking and as you say you're like i teach people they're to live in their purpose not their passion because passion can be wishy-washy passion can be what's hot in the moment and from what i hear in your story so far is somebody who as a seven-year-old had this very clear purpose this very clear plan of like i want to do this and you're like physical therapy Um, I would just say, okay, even in that moment, going back to that, can you remember what was leading that? What idea? Yeah, I was a competitive gymnast growing up. So I grew up in physical therapy. I've had multiple surgeries, every broken bone you can imagine. And so growing up in PT, like I literally was there two, three times a week, my entire life. I just had this knack for understanding the body, Mm -hmm. but then also I want to help people. Yeah. And I can help people in this way because at a very young age, I already knew, I mean, 10 years old, I had an electro stim machine at my house that I was putting myself, you know, hooking myself up to. So it was that purpose of let me help people with something that I know that it's a lived experience. Come on. That's it. There we go. I love it. Right. (laughs) So you've got this like really early on idea of like, I'm going to help people with what I have. And then it sounds like all along the way over the next 25 years or so, became like, okay, well, I'm going to do it this way. Now I'll do it in this way. Now I'll do it in this way. Now I'll do it in this way. Because I kept following the passion. Yes. So as the passion jumped to fit to, uh, to fashion, I went to fashion Mm -hmm. and realized, oh, this is actually out of alignment and this isn't in purpose. So after a year, I basically was just one year in fashion. I then left. And then I went to the next passion and I did the fitness and then I did the teaching and I did the things. And so now that's probably why I'm so passionate about 
not having clients jump from the thing that you're passionate about. Because one month we want to learn guitar and the next month we're taking Spanish lessons. Getting chills. It's <laughs> it, like this. It's just such a beautiful journey, really. Again, I, and it's no surprise to me that that this is what you're doing, but there really is this for you. It sounds like there's this journey of going from passion to purpose. And so, of course, now you step in and say, hey, business owner, let me help you because I've been through that and I've tried all the things. And yes, I could call myself an authority on many different subject matters. And here I am showing up in the same way that I did, you know, when I first started in fashion, um, just trying something, see who responds to it and leaning into that and knowing that ultimately that's my purpose is to spread this out, to get this going further and further and further to expand my purpose as you expand your purpose. Let me help you. And there's this amazing journey that you've been on. How does that feel? Is that are you like it? I mean, you, you just unlocked, like, I mean, you make it sound so great. I'm like, thank you for the session. <laughs> Invoice me later. Yeah. But really, when you say it like that, it's, it's, wow, you know, I haven't looked at it like that. Mm -hmm. Well, this is, and this is the joy of it, right? This is what I, I find the most excitement about on this, in this conversation is when we start to unlock that, you go like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing now, of course, because it's what I love to do. And then you tap back and I just, I mean, one of my favorite things that I ever hear, Jess, and I'm sure that you have it as well. When there's certain phrases that you hear when you're coaching people, I'd actually love to hear one. But for me, one of my favorite phrases that I hear when I'm coaching people through their story is, ooh, nobody's ever asked me that before. Or, ooh, I've never, I've never told anyone this before. So when you said that, I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, we are finding something here. Like, there's <laughs> something new coming out. Yeah. Um. What is that for you? What's what's one of your favorite phrases that you hear when when you're coaching people uh, to you know step into their purpose more? Is there something that you hear a lot of people say that really lights you up and makes you go, "Whoa, we're into something"? I think for me, one of the things I apologize. There's dogs barking yeah, in the background. That is not not my dog. <laughs> uh, one of the things, oftentimes that I hear, is that uh, people will say things like. I've never heard it taught that way or yeah. it makes sense now. Like I've heard it before, but I've never understood it until now. And again, that's partially an ego stroke, but also that's, that's my purpose. When you, when people ask me my superpower, yeah. one of my superpowers is taking difficult concepts and making them easy to digest. Yes. And I think that comes from the teacher. And so when someone says to me, like it clicked, I've heard it before, but it just clicked. I'm like, yes, now we can get to the breakthrough. And so is that some, why is that happening with you? You know what I mean? Like, is there some magic uh, uh, recipe that you have to see? How do you see things that help people just click? Yeah. How do you define that? It's interesting. So it's the thing that's in my brain that I can extract and turn into a business. Yeah. And this is the thing that people don't understand. So I don't have an answer for you, but it's it's the way that I see things. It's the way that I hear things and the way that I'm able to like maybe come up really quickly. And I say this in the most humbling way, yes. but I can very quickly come up with an analogy, a metaphor, a different way to teach it. I understand the different types of learners, mm -hmm. right? Because being a teacher, we have got auditory, kinesthetic, visual. So taking years and years of experience, it's just something that I'm innately good at. Yeah. 
but it isn't necessarily something I learned in a book. It probably is layers and layers and layers of years of yeah. practice and books and podcasts and classes, but it's the thing that I'm just good at yeah. that I can then turn into a business. And so that's like literally what I help people do. It's like, what is the thing that you're, you're just really good at breaking people's stories apart. Yeah. You are a pastor. It's years of experience. Mm -hmm. It's trial and error. It's making mistakes. It's feedback from people and taking classes and watching yep. things and watching back your own stuff, but it's your superpower. So how can I help you pull that out and turn it into a business? Because what you think is just, well, that's just how I am actually could help so many people. Right. Exactly. And that's the turning point. That was the turning point for me, again, right, in that mastermind for us where I was hiding this thing. I was like, yeah, this is just what I do. And then somebody said, uh, you realize that, like, you can speak in a way that we can't speak. You need to teach us, teach us how to do that. And it just comes, it's just somebody coming along and saying that and affirming that. Uh, maybe it's a thought that you already had, but somebody come along and doing that. And for you, Right. It's this thing that you're just good at. And I would say, well, let's put a label on that or let's put a moment on that. Let's put an, an influence on that and say it does come back to it's not just I just innately am good at this, but it really came from, as you said, this practice of repurposing this this constant trial and error of can I make something out of this? Can I do this? How will this go? Can I can I inspire that? Can I lead these people? Can I succeed here? What about here? I'll just try it and see what happens. But knowing all along, there's this deeper purpose. You know, it's so interesting. I'm trying to think right now, like, can I pinpoint a time in my life or a moment? And it really is coming back to gymnastics. When I was learning a routine and a coach would teach me choreography, the way that they teach it, kind of like dance, it's like an eight count or like these particular steps, these four moves. And you take this block of four and you glue it to the next block of floor. And then mm. you practice the eight. And once you've mastered the eight, you get to add four more on. And you do that over and over and over until you have the entire routine built out. And so at a really young age, I started learning this, this idea of like, let me, let me understand these four things. And if I can't do the four back to back, let me actually reverse engineer, break it down, master one. Wow. Then I'm going to glue two together and then three and then four. And it's this years I mean, I was a highly competitive gymnast up until college. And so years of practicing routines in this way where we would actually break it down. Like there were days where we only did half routines yeah. or there were days where you just did the tumbling passes of your routines. And so I'm actually going to say that gymnastics just hugely impacted my life. Yeah. It's what I wrote my college entrance essay on was actually gymnastics, but it taught me so many things, delayed gratification, competition, comparison, right? All of these different things. And I think there's this, what I have always called curriculum building, because yeah. I wrote curriculums for our district. Yeah. And now, you know, I do it on post-it notes. Yeah, and I teach exactly. people how to do it with post-it notes, right? But that's what it is. Which is it's taking like, the big idea and breaking it down exactly. into a post-it note. And now four post-it notes and now 16 post-it notes. And now look at that. You've got a, an annual plan and a business idea. You've got your course blocked out. And we get, we stutter, you would say, I think because we're trying to see the whole routine. Yeah. Well, it's, and, and it's beyond seeing the whole routine. We're trying to memorize the whole routine. Gosh. And, and trying to perform that is making us not move at all. Paralyzed. Yeah. Analysis paralysis, right? Cause it's so big. Uh -huh. So, okay. Oh my goodness. It's brilliant. You're just full. You just got so much 
to give all the time. Every conversation is just such gold. And um, it's a reflection of you leading us there. So thank you. Gosh, I, I'll receive that. <laughs> um, tell me about as I, we'll kind of land the plane here and as on our descent, um, tell me about this idea of, of experts and three experts. And, and I know that you've talked about, right, helping someone see what they're an expert at and what they can teach others. And, and I know that you've got a, a theory and idea around this of, of different types of experts. And I think that'll be really helpful for us as, as we consider what can I be an expert, or I've even talked about, you're not an expert, you're an authority um, so maybe we can challenge that a little bit, but we'll see. I want to hear where you're at with this and, and, and seeing what you're an expert in and what, how to break that down a bit. So oftentimes people will hesitate to start anything because they don't think they're an expert. So I'm not an expert. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough authority or credibility. Yeah. And so the concept of the three R's behind what type of expert you are is just to kind of lay the framework for the fact that we're all experts in our own right at any given moment in many different areas. So the first one is going to be a research expert. Mm. So a research expert is the point in your life where you're researching something. You are looking into something. You're going to start taking these new classes. You're going to start learning how to garden. And now you're reading books and podcasts and maybe taking courses. And so you're researching how to become better at this particular task or knowledge or whatever that might be. Yeah. A research expert is able to say to their audience, hey, look at this thing that I'm learning about. Right. Yeah. So even for me, I'm finally, after seven years, starting my first, my own podcast in 2022, Come which on. I'm super excited about. But as I go through the process of doing it, I've never done it before. I get to also be a research expert and share with my audience along the way, look at what I'm learning, mm -hmm. look at what not to do. So that's a research expert. Okay. We're all research experts. Yep. Yep. The second one is a role model expert. So this is really that next piece that I was just saying, as I start to share what I'm learning I become a role model. Look at what she's doing. She's starting her own podcast. This is so inspirational. I feel so motivated. I bet I could do it too, yeah. right? So now I become the role model expert where I'm like, look at me, come with me, come with me, let me show you. Oftentimes in a particular area, we'll actually go from a research expert to a role model expert. Yeah. You also can be a research in one area and a role model in a different area, depending on how far you are in your journey. And then I can see the Venn diagram forming now. Right? Yeah, this is <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. There it is. Yep. And then eventually, in a particular area, you might become the results expert. Hmm. So the results expert is the person who's sitting saying, I've done it. Look at the results. Look at the transformation my clients have had. I've mastered the thing. I am what we think of as an expert in quotes. Yeah. I've arrived. Right. That's the results expert. Now we think sometimes that we need to be a results expert before we can start sharing. It's like, we think we need to make money before we can start a business. We think we need more followers before we can make an impact. And there's really just kind of excuses. So we often do move from research expert through role model expert into results expert, and you can be all three at the same exact time. It's really interesting to me. And as I think about the the story arc and and how I coach people through that, it sounds to me like it lands really comfortably within that role model expert framework that you're saying or that 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 category that uh, right? I'm helping people what you just did here, right? To see your story and say, look, I went, this is my story. I went from following my passion to following my purpose and I can help you do the same. 
as I'm doing it. So there's this like, I and that's why I would say you're you're not an expert yet because a lot of people get hung up on that. I'm like expert means certifications means results means all these things, but you are an authority on the journey that you've been through, and so show up as that role model and proclaim it proudly. Yeah, I love that, and I and I don't disagree because I think the word expert has this heaviness to yeah. it where people think that you're done yeah like you've gotten to the end of it and that's actually not the case it's kind of thinking like we talked about to circle all the way back of leadership where my journey as a leader is only as far as my journey is as a student mm -hmm. my business will only grow to the extent that i continue to grow mm. so i'm not an expert because i've arrived i'm an expert because i continue to learn and, and share, and that's vulnerability, which is a whole different topic. But I think that word even gets thrown around where people think, be vulnerable, be authentic. And it means we have to share our deep, dark secrets and skeletons in the closet when that's not actually what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, shoot. What did Brene Brown say about vulnerability? If, if, uh... shoot, there's something. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to. <laughs> oh, it's such gold about airing your dirty Being laundry. Being able to not remember your words on your podcast. Oh, it must have been something. That would like be that. the one. Yeah. She's she says something really good about that. Um, but you you just said I'm not an expert because I have nothing left to learn. I'm an expert because I'm 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 still learning. And and that is yeah. that's the place that we need to recognize we're at. And for those that are looking up to you as their leader to recognize as leading us on this journey to recognize that you are only here because you are continually learning. I actually have a phrase that I, I, I will often open up a talk with, um, whether like, you know, when I'm, I'm talking, I'm on stage somewhere, or I'm leading my own, my own talk that I would say, um, I used to think blank, but now I'm learning blank. And it's mm. so critical that that second part is in it. But now I'm learning because it's what it does it, to put it up at the beginning of a talk. It's this diffusion. It's a connection statement to say, look, I'm with you in this. It's I'm in the river with you because I used to think this thing that we all think. But now I'm learning this thing. And as I learn, I'm here to to bring you along with what I'm learning. And it's this beautiful statement of like of inclusivity of of, of togetherness and and I think yeah. it's exactly what you're talking about there is this idea of of an expert doesn't set you apart um, but we get to view expert as as being along the ride with the person and it's you just put such a bow on it like and I again the visual of the river it's like I used to think that I had to jump to the farthest rock. Yeah until I fell in and my feet got wet. Mm -hmm. Now I'm learning that I can actually step on close rocks and get farther, right? right? So now everybody that hears that says, like, yeah, I, I currently think what you used to think. Yeah. And if you're learning something, well, that sounds like where I want to be. So I'm going to follow you through the river. Gosh, that's beautiful. When are we going camping? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's go. I want to be in the river. Let's with get you. it. Let's get it done. Uh, <laughs> this is fabulous. Okay. Well, we have we've hit everything. We have uh, we've un- unlocked, opened up your story, and I am so grateful for how you dove into this. How you just create such an easy conversation back and forth. How we've put up with the dogs next door, and and uh, you've been uh, so gracious with your time here. Um, I know that you're working on new things, and, and you want to share stuff with us. So so what what have you got for us? How can we um, find out more and, and work with you? Yeah. So this episode, when it comes out, oh, this is the first time I'm saying it out loud. I will have a new Instagram page <sighs> and it's a completely new name with a completely different uh, undertone. Same, same purpose, mm-hmm. same purpose, different undertone. So I would say, follow me on the new Instagram page, which I'm sweating now saying <laughs> that. <laughs> Because I haven't actually started it yet. So I'm committing to that. And you can follow me over there. Yeah, that is at I am Jessica DeRose. Wow. There we go. It is a change. It's a completely different layer. Um, But what I'd love to gift your audience, which I think would be super helpful, just in the way that we were speaking about all the different visuals of the river and, and chunking things down and making difficult concepts easy to understand. And we talked a little bit about the post-it notes. Mm-hmm. I have a free training that I actually do where I can help you take your crazy, stupid idea and potentially turn it into something. And so I'd love to gift that training to your audience. And that's Brilliant. at jessglazer.com slash post-it to profit free. And that's all one word, post-it to profit yeah. free. Yep. JessGlazer.com slash post it to profit free. And you get this brilliant course on how to learn a gymnastics routine. Uh, <laughs> how to break down your big crazy idea into something that's that's tangible and practical and step by step. I love it. You are the absolute master at that. And I've learned so much from you over these uh, last couple of years. I'm so grateful for our friendship and uh, that we continue to be in this river together. I'm excited for this yeah. new journey that you're going on and um, excited for you stepping into your purpose even more. Thank you so much. I love it. Alex, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation. So please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life, and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.